0: Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner Podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode features a special guest from Vancouver Island's own DB's Organics. She has recently been named as a finalist for a 2021 Pacific Region EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Our conversation covers her transition from toxicology to entrepreneurship, all the way to an incredible partnership with Disney. Our conversation starts now.
1: My name is Dion Laszlo-Baker. I am the founder and CEO of DB's Organics. I'm also trained as a PhD medical scientist in an area of research called maternal fetal toxicology. Um,
0: The reason that we're connecting today is for some exciting news. Uh, You have been named as a finalist for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year uh, in 2021 in the Pacific area. Can you give me a little kind of a brief overview of how this came about?
1: It's really special to me. So a few years ago, in fact, uh, right before the pandemic hit, I was nominated and awarded into the EY Entrepreneurial Winning Women. It's an amazing group of sisterhood of women um, started by some key leaders at EY and joined that group and still am part of that group. Um, you know, there's some in- incredible women um, that are, are, are there as well. And then I was nominated by Brenna Delois at EY as, uh, as a candidate for Entrepreneur of the Year. And she said, why don't you do this? This is amazing. I'm going to nominate you. And she's very, very connected in with uh, the entrepreneurial winning women as well. And DBS has grown a lot, and she felt like we were a great candidate. So I said, "Wow, okay, well, this is exciting." And um, and then I was surprised that uh, then I was um, honored with the one of being one of the finalists, and um, and and very excited to be in the company of other entrepreneurs. Who you know, when you start talking to entrepreneurs, we're a crazy bunch, and we're you know we have these nuances that are so similar it doesn't matter what the business is it can be a tech company it'd be an underwater research company pharmaceuticals um food business you name it uh we're we have something similar in our core so it's really neat to meet people even if i don't win um it's a it's a big honor
0: yeah awesome well very exciting um i want to ask you a little bit about kind of your background um i i mentioned in one of the notes about toxicology. Is that an appropriate way to title what you were studying? Just you're kind of like in a a specific vein of toxicology?
1: Yeah, I really looked at the neurocognitive functioning of children who were exposed during pregnancy in utero to um, what we would consider potential um, teratogens or toxins that can affect either physical growth, um, cognitive growth, um, cognitive functioning. And uh, we, we really... What I specifically looked at was women who worked with organic solvents in dry cleaning, at that point it was graphic design, painting, nail salons, hairdresser salons, and I looked at the effects of exposure during pregnancy and we assessed their kids um, from 18 months all the way up to into adolescence uh, to see if there were some negative outcomes as a result of the exposure. So that was really my area and what I thought I would spend my life studying. Do
0: you find it uh, that your medical background played a big role in your ability to be successful as an entrepreneur kind of like that attention to detail, heavy research focus?
1: A hundred percent. You know, when I went, I I always say I went to school to become a PhD and I went to the school of hard knocks to become an entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, And you, (laughs) but you rely back on those skills that you know so well and they're familiar to me. So when I started DBs, I really thought of it as kind of like a research project. And then I kind of developed that into an analogy of like a, a bicycle wheel where it has multiple spokes. And just like being a research scientist, you have to make sure every single aspect is covered um, because it's it's human beings and human health. And then, you know, as I evolved kind of into the more business side of things, I, I envisioned this wheel. And if one spoke is bent, the wheel doesn't go, it's broken. Um, so I, uh, you know, I would say, okay, you know, in early days, we had to get, we're no longer in the frozen food business, but when we were, I had to get a popsicle from Victoria to Florida in perfect condition. (laughs) There are many spokes that are going to bend on the way. (laughs) And then there are going to be customers that said, I bought your product in Florida and it was melted. (laughs) You know, so, you know, you have to set up, there's so many things that you have to get just right. And um, you get knocked down a lot. But I think if you're in the grass and the weeds and you're involved in every single aspect of in the beginning of it, then you kind of know when things feel right, and you start to really trust your gut instinct as your business grows.
0: Yeah. Was there a point in your um, medical or scientific career when you started thinking about starting your own business? Because you mentioned that you kind of, that you had, you know, the, you kind of thought you'd be there for for your for your career. There,
1: I did. You know, I I thought I'd be there for my career, and then um, we moved to to Vancouver Island. My husband is an ophthalmologist. And uh, they really needed someone doing his subspecialty, uh, it's called orbit oculoplastic surgery here on the island. And so we came here, um, really for him. And in the academic world, there wasn't as much opportunity I was in at University of Toronto and the hospital for sick children and so I kind of had to go okay, what am I going to do here. And I worked with him at the clinic and I was um, I was seeing patients and talking to them about what's in the skincare, what's toxic, what's not, what's necessary, what's not, what works, what doesn't. And um, that business all of a sudden started to grow. And I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. I guess this is the business world, you know? And then um, when DBs came about, um, it was it, it came out of serendipity, really. I was in the kitchen with my two kids in 2012 and our youngest son, we took him off all artificial color artificial flavor artificial sweeteners he really ate from the earth no added anything and at that time it was really tough to find snacks and treats that you could give your kids but not feel guilty about so he'd go to birthday parties and I'd give him a piece of fruit leather and he'd come home and you know want to kick somebody because he was like they had a birthday cake and this and that and I got fruit leather you know and um so I was in the kitchen with them and David was making tea and Jocelyn was making popsicles uh fruit like out of a, a little you know container that we used to make popsicles and and they were arguing over who was going to do what with mommy and then Jocelyn said mommy let's make tea teasicles you know it was kind of like the combination of the two and I remember where I was in the kitchen I went ping wow that is such a cool idea we could do this and tea was so popular then David's tea was really popular it was like a booming thing at the time. And I went to the computer and I realized, okay, nobody on the planet is making like organic tea-based popsicles. Let's do this. And then then came, okay, but if I'm going to do this and if I'm going to change my whole career and everything I've ever studied to do, it has to have meaning. And that's where the beginning of Dream Launcher that I think we'll talk about as, as we go through um, came to be as well. And so they that was like really two trains moving at the same
0: time. I wanted to ask you a little bit too about, so you, you got this initial idea with your, your children to start the business. Was it something where you built a business plan and kind of pitched it to a BDC or was it a bootstrapped uh, kind of startup or how did that, the, those initial early days start?
1: It was very bootstrapped. And uh, that's where I say I learned the school of hard knocks. <laughs> Um, because we really as a family decided we're going to do this the right way ethically um, and on our own and um, invested a very significant amount of money um, not really understanding at that point what it took um, and you know it, it it was painful in the beginning there were times where um, you know and, and Steve's got a, a really a strong career. Um, at that point, obviously, I wasn't making any money because I was full on at DBs. And it was just, it was a heavy load. Um, and I remember going into um, a grocery store here in Victoria, and I couldn't buy the groceries, like everything was tapped out. And my I had tears kind of welling in my eyes. And I thought, great. Yeah, what am I teaching my kids? Like, oh, my God, how did this happen to me? And my daughter, who was probably you know, 13 at that time said, mommy, I've got some money. And she took out like, you know, whatever she had saved in her pocket. And we were taking out groceries that we didn't desperately need, you know, and, uh, so we bootstrapped it for sure. Um, and then luckily as the company grew and we got over some challenges in the beginning, um, we had some angel investors, local Victoria investors, and the huge majority of, um, the angel investors are local friends and family um, from the island.
0: I want to ask you a little bit about outside of the funding side. Was there a, an obstacle that stuck out to you? Kind of, you mentioned this reoccurring theme of the school of hard knocks. Uh, what, what what maybe stuck out to you the most there?
1: Um, I would say, as a food company, taste is critical. And honestly, the first few years of products we had, they sucked. I mean, they did not taste good, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was tough. It was like a harsh slap in the face because you know, what you make in a small little commercial kitchen, um, doesn't necessarily scale well. (laughs) And, um, you know, it was, I always said, I don't want to have one of those products where, you know, you taste it and you go, where, where can I spit this out? Um, and I think we were there (laughs) initially, um, and probably rushed to market a little too quick. I was panicked. Oh my gosh, no, one's doing this. Someone's going to do it. Let's get out there. Um, but the first few years we just didn't taste good and it sounds so simple. Um, but honestly, when you scale a product and, uh, and you create something with a chef and then you go to, you know, from creating 20 pieces up to creating 5,000 pieces, the taste changes dramatically. That was a huge learning curve. And we got listed in a store in the United States called Sprouts, um, great store. And we lasted a year because our taste was not there. And that was a huge learning curve. We That's number one is, in, well, first is ingredients, and then it has to taste spectacular in order to get onto the shelf for a DB's product now.
0: Do you have a couple of things that stick out to you of kind of like these breakthrough proof of concept? Um,
1: we started off in the toughest, one of the toughest um, grocery categories, which is frozen novelties. Um, you got to attract someone to open a door and choose your product, you know, in a one split second kind of thing. Uh, very tough category and very saturated in that market. So I think, though, if you if you launch, launch in the toughest area, <laughs> you really appreciate when you succeed in another area. So in 2017, uh, well, in 2016, we started creating our freezies, our super fruit freezies. And um, in fact, Loblaws Canada asked us, hey, could you make us a shelf stable, which means that it, you ship everything happens at room temperature, freezy, that the customer only freezes when they get home. And I said, sure, Um, you know, kind of not knowing that if we could do it or not. And um, we said, we endeavored to do it. And that was crazy change for DBs. So we launched the spring of 2017 and right out of the gate, we sold out instantly. So we became Loblaws Canada highest uh, velocity item in its category in the history of the confection category. and sold out a year's worth of product in a number of weeks. So um, that was pivotal, changed the company, and uh, we've just catapulted our growth since 2017.
0: Um, I wanna ask you a little bit about the Dream Launcher program, which you said was kind of in the foundation of your business. Can you kind of elaborate on on what that is and, and maybe some of the initiatives that you guys are currently involved with?
1: Yeah, I see it as the heart and soul of who we are at our core. So when I first had, you know, the, the idea first came to be, and Steve and I, my husband and I were, were actually out bike riding on Stanley park. And, um, I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to do this, like, what is this going to mean? This has to have meaning to me. And I thought, you know, what is it that's important? My husband grew up with a single mom and he put himself through medical school really you know had a lot of challenges to get himself where he is today and I thought okay if he's going to back me on doing this and being an entrepreneur and going out there then I want to make something for him do something for him and he always dreamed of joining a charity called Orbis and Orbis is like a flying eye hospital they go to ophthalmologists donate their time sometimes funding a whole mission where they'll fly to a third world country. So Kenya, for example, or, 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 or somewhere where, where there isn't service for ophthalmology and someone who may have never ever seen their grandchildren because they're blind, um, but they, all they need is a simple surgery or a child who, has, um, who can't open their eyelids and, and needs a simple surgery, has a cancer. And the, the ophthalmologists fly in, they come on, the, the, the patients come onto the hospital the, and they, the surgeons tr- uh, train the doctors around the area on what to do, and they can help the blind see again or remove, or, or remove a life-threatening cancer. And I thought, OK, the minute that Steve steps on the plane to go on his first Orbis mission, DBs has arrived. And I always cry when I think about it because we ha- we're, we're, we're almost there. Like, we're doing super well. And Steve will go on that mission at some point in the next few years. And that was kind of like, okay, this is what makes my heart sing. This is what it makes life worth living and pushes me to get up when times are super, super hard. And that evolved because I was like, okay, how do I make this applicable for everybody else on our team? And the team really helped me develop this. And, and Becky, who is our senior director, helped me come up with Dream Launcher. And it has three initiatives. So when you join the DB's team, you become part of the db's family you take part and you become part of the employee stock option program so you become like an like an owner in the company you have options um, to purchase shares and that happens for everybody who's with the team for a period of time and then on top of that we've designated another five percent options for them designated to help make their dream of giving Trump come true. So what is it that makes your heart sing? Like Priscilla has uh, is is, is going to try and start a foundation for um, a genetic disorder that's, that's actually shortened the lifespan of some of her cousins. She's on our team in Texas. And everybody here has their dream of giving. And so there's stock options designated to it. Then we will match donation funds. So if if um, we're donating. So the Trevor projects become another project where, um, is part of my dream of giving and we'll match donations that any team member gives to the charity of their choice. And we also give a third component, which is paid time off.
0: What is the next, uh, let's say six months to a year look like for yourself and DBs?
1: It's really exciting. Um, so Our products. So I don't know if you know, we did a partnership with Disney. Um, So that's been very exciting over the last few years. Uh, We we launched a partner product called DB's uh, Organics Disney Frozen Two Ice Ones, and we did that in partnership with with Disney. So that was really exciting. So that was a very cool thing. And then in the last few months, we've just been going gangbuster. And I mean, you name the store, and we're there. And we launched a. Um, into Costco in the United States, just a little tester to see how it went. It went ballistic. So (laughs) Costco LA said, hey, can we use an example of a success story for a launch? And, um, you know, it's gone up five, seven, eight, tenfold um, the orders they anticipated ordering. And we just launched into Costco Canada East from Ontario, uh, in Ontario and Quebec. Um, we're hoping to bring Costco British Columbia on or Costco West. Um, so that's been very, very cool. And we're looking at other countries as well. So that's been super exciting. Um, and I think the team, we uh, we had an amazing uh, member join uh, about a year ago now. He was a VP at Cliff Bar, a billion dollar company. And oh, yeah. he was an executive there. And uh, uh, he was on our board of advisors early on and he loved what we were doing and he jumped ship and actually joined the DB's team. So he's our COO now. Um, so we have some amazing people uh, who have been working with us um, and helping us grow. And we have some more incredible people joining the team as well. So
0: Getting towards the tail end here, I want to ask you a little bit about your approach to management from the sort of the bootstrap beginnings to where you guys are now partnering with, you know, arguably some of the largest organizations in the planet. How have you changed or evolved your approach to maybe managing your team?
1: You know, I think it's really interesting because I've definitely evolved. um, And I think I probably used to micromanage a lot. And then I went away because one of my kids had some surgery and I kind of um, had to focus on, on her for a little bit. And that was the best gift because I said, okay, to my executive team, you've got this. I know you can do it. And when I came back in, I realized they flourished. Like it was like when I stopped micromanaging and I just let people really thrive and show what they're capable of. It was just like, it went on fire. And um, so I, I think that was a pivotal moment for me managerial wise you know, and I, I, there's those things like, you know, be humble enough to know what you don't know. All of those things are so, so true. So you surround yourself with bright people, but if you also step back and let people, you know, flourish, it's like a flower. And if you keep it kind of closed up, it just kind of singes away. But if you let it blossom, then, you know, you get this spectacular growth. And um, I think that's what I learned um, from, from going through that. So it was a gift.
0: Yeah. I love the glass half full approach on that as well. I think that's so, so powerful. Um, And and this may, you may have the the same response, but if you're talking to other leaders, um, business owners, or maybe aspiring leaders, is there a singular piece of advice that you would pass on to them?
1: Well, you know, and I think it would go along with what I said, surround yourself with great people, ask people if they can mentor you ask, you know, even, even the word mentor can sometimes, you know, people off because i think it's time just like can i call you periodically just to chat and that's what i did early on and my early mentors i still talk to them today and your mentors are going to change as your business grows you're going to need different mentors at different times for different aspects of your business but always reach out you could never ever ever do this by yourself so never be scared to reach out and ask somebody. I, I still, to this day, I think, oh, could I call this person? They're like super, super, super high up at X, Y, and Z. And um, I, just, I just do it. And sometimes they don't respond, but oftentimes they will. So just go for it.
0: I've got four quick ones for you to finish up here. Um, is there a favorite book or podcast that uh, that you're reading or listening to right now?
1: I listen to Girl Boss Radio. (laughs) I know it sounds kind of crazy, but um, they really have. We're we're again a different bunch um, of female entrepreneurs um, because we tend to balance different things um, that male entrepreneurs than male entrepreneurs do. So um, I love listening to the Girl Boss Radio. Um, So that's that's definitely one that I would say is uh, is key for me.
0: Okay, (laughs) awesome. Uh, Best personal advice that you've received
1: make time for yourself. <laughs> I still don't do it, <laughs> but it was the best advice. And I, and I do try to do it. Um, but I think that's the best advice. And then also like, I just wrote a, actually a poem on my Instagram and my Facebook called moments, um, about your kids growing up and the moment passes so fast and don't, don't miss those moments. Like what I, I will always answer a call from my kids. I might not answer a call from anybody else, but I will almost always answer the call from my kids and I want to be there for them. So I think that's the other thing I won't ever compromise on.
0: Yeah, that's very special. And did you? Or did your kids, have they graduated recently? Is that kind of where that that the motivation came from?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Jocelyn graduated a year ago. So she's finished first year of university. And I think she made a comment about, to maybe to my mom I can't remember who it was but that she now considers home her condo at UBC that she lives in with her roommate and I was like that's home like holy cow that's home like this is home wait a minute and David's just going into grade 12 this year and he just went out on a a, a two week he went to learn to paraglide and now he's camping and, and, and um, biking with friends so you know it's like Wait, it's really quiet here. (laughs) No one's smashing down on the piano or running around going mom, 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 (laughs) mom. So yeah, that those were the moments that made me write that poem.
0: App or piece of software that you cannot live without?
1: You know what? I would say my photos app, (laughs) it's kind of crazy, (laughs) but I take photos of everything related to my kids, my, my business, you name it.
0: And the last one here, favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island.
1: You know, I love Pagliacci's. It's been my favorite for a long time. And uh, I know the seagulls pretty well. Um, And uh, David and Jane were neighbors of ours. um, And he and his brother um, started um, Pagliacci's and now uh, David's nephew is is running it. And I mean, okay, I'm addicted to their bread. (laughs) Let's just say it, (laughs) it's so good.
0: Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info@businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.